Um, it was 15 years ago this month um, that Chris invited my family, me, up on stage. We were, we were in Alton that day. Uh, Alton was about to launch, and uh, <laughs> our kids were four and one, if you can believe that. So Chris announced that we were joining the story God was writing here at Be Free and asked people who were committed to doing this with us to stand, and three people stood. <laughs> uh, Nick and Hannah and this other guy who's, who's moved away, uh, Matt Burdett. Uh, so from that point on, we, we stepped into the foggy unknown of church planning and developing uh, a community of Christ followers right here in Dover, and it's a uh, it's a very humbling thing to reflect back on, on that 15 years ago uh, and, and the story um, that God has written and continues to write here at Be Free. Well, it's the end of August now, newsflash. Uh, the, the leaves are just beginning to turn. Kids will be back in school this week. In fact, uh, on Friday, we drove our oldest, uh, Graham, all the way down to Durham, New Hampshire, uh, to begin his freshman year at UNH. Kylie and I uh, are kind of feeling uh, a big mix of emotions that uh, we weren't really quite prepared for. It's a mixture of happiness and sadness and uh, gratitude and humility and feeling very old. <laughs> um, now, it's, it's, it's a, an exciting new chapter for him, and, uh, but a bit of an adjustment for all of us. For many of us, the season of fall means a, a return to certain routines, certain schedules. So what better time to consider a few more spiritual disciplines? If you're new to the faith or, or just dipping your, your toes in the water, um, we're grateful that you're here. But you're probably wondering what in the world do spiritual disciplines mean? Good question. Uh, in short, the spiritual disciplines are practices that help us grow in Christ. The spiritual disciplines are practices that help us grow in Christ. The NBA uh, Hall of Famer and my all-time favorite basketball player, Larry Bird, wasn't as fast as many players, wasn't as athletic, wasn't uh, as natural as, like, say, a Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant. His secret he had the fundamentals down. He was disciplined. So he, he writes, uh, practice habits were, were crucial to my development in basketball. I didn't play against the toughest competition in high school, but one reason I was able to do well in college was that I had mastered the fundamentals. You've got to have them down before you can even think about playing. No matter what you want to grow in, whether it's your job, or it's a hobby like woodworking, or a hobby like uh, quilt making, or fly fishing. Getting better at anything involves mastering the basics. That's discipline. Spiritual disciplines are a lot like that. Spiritual uh, disciplines are, are like practicing the fundamentals of the faith. They're, they're not attitudes, they're not feelings, they're not states of mind. Those are all the fruit which uh, comes from diligent uh, discipline practice. Spiritual disciplines are things we do. Habits we develop as we seek to follow Christ together. I've shared this illustration before, but, it, but it's, it's like the difference between driving a motorboat 
and driving a sailboat. In a motorboat, you just turn the key and away you go. In a, in a sailboat, it's, a, it's obviously different. You, you hoist the sails, but you're completely dependent on the wind to move you. That's, that's the spiritual life. God reserves some things for himself that we can't do. Provide wind. And he, he reserves some things for us that he won't do. That's hoisting the sails. 2020 uh, <laughs> was a rough year. That's an understatement. Um, spiritually rough. Um, spiritually rough for, for a lot of us. So toward the, the end of uh, 2020, um, in the beginning of 2021, most of us, a lot of us, were worn out. Um, we're, we were fatigued. We were apathetic. Good habits of the past had begun to atrophy. And so we just decided, hey, let's, let's face these challenges head on and hit the reset button and uh, take a few of them at a time, uh, like, a, like a few per season, and just go back to the basics together. So, you know, what would it be like to take a few of them at a time every month? Um, so we, 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 took a th- uh, we took three weeks in the winter this year going back to the basics of prayer, going back to the basics of fasting, going back to the basics of community, of solitude as well. In the spring, we talked about Sabbath rest, meditation, the discipline of study. Today, we're going to spend some time talking about everyone's favorite subject. You know what it is? What? What's that? No. Money, I heard. You guessed it. Generosity, the discipline of generosity. Generosity includes the giving away of anything that's valuable. You might have heard uh, the big three, time, talent, treasure. And we'll allude to time and, and talent, but the lion's share of, of this message is on treasure, the third T. Here's why. You read through the teachings and conversations of Jesus in, in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and one thing you'll notice is this. Jesus talked about money way more than just about any other subject. And why? Why is that? Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, money is a window in, into our hearts. The Bible as a whole contains 500 verses or thereabouts, five, uh, just about 500 verses on prayer, and about the same for faith, about 500. Guess how many are on the subject of money? 2,300. That, that's way more than two times faith and prayer combined. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you live in New Hampshire, then you live in a state that has a serious generosity problem. Studies rank the the charitable states. Guess where New Hampshire ranks? Yep, dead last. um, 
The average household in New Hampshire contributes about 2.5% of discretionary income to charitable needs. Maine's a whole not, uh, uh, not much better, 2.8. So the whole Northeast is, has, has this generosity problem. Author and uh, pastor Tim Keller wrote a book called Counterfeit Gods, The Empty Promises of Money, Sex, and Power, and the Only Hope That Matters. And he opens his chapter on money this way. As a pastor, I've had people come to me to confess that they struggle with almost every kind of sin. Almost. I cannot recall anyone ever coming to me and saying, I spend too much money on myself. I think my greedy lust for, for money is harming my family, my soul, and the people around me. Greed hides itself from the victim. The money God's MO includes blindness to your own heart. Jesus warns people far more often about greed than about sex. Yet almost no one thinks they're guilty of it. Therefore, we should all begin with a working hypothesis that this could easily be a problem for me. Um, many, of, many of you are extremely generous, and I just want to say that right off the bat. You're, you're spiritually um, fit. You're spiritually in shape in this way. You're models to the rest of us. But if the numbers don't lie, then Keller's working hypothesis, this could be a problem for me, uh, is a pretty helpful place to be in. So three questions we want to, to answer. This is a bit of a road map, okay? Why is our generosity out of shape? What, what it, what's it going to take to, to, to live counterculturally generous lives? And what are some practical next steps we could take now to be more generous, okay? So first one, why is our gener generosity on a shape? You go back to the beginning of our story, back to Genesis 1, and you find a picture of God who's lavishly generous. In fact, Jesus likens the Father to a wealthy host of a giant wedding feast. Matthew 22, verse 2 says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Or in his, his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us a, a picture of the, of the Father as one that knows our needs and meets our needs. Matthew uh, 6, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. We were made to enjoy his abundance. We were made to enjoy his abundance to focus on the needs of, of every other guest at the party. That's what, we, that's what we were made for. But something happened that moved us from having an abundance mindset to a scarcity mindset. Maybe God's holding out on us. Maybe he's not 100% committed to my good. And therefore, Maybe we can't trust him. So we, we listen to the lie of the enemy, 
uh, from seeing God as a lavish, generous God to a cheap and stingy God. There's only so much to go around. I better do all I can to secure what I need and what I want. And a survival of the richest mindset came in. Going back to the the Feast of the Parable, verse 3 says, He sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. So rather than see ourselves as guests at God's party, we've assumed an owner's mindset. It's my money. It's our money. When in fact, it's God's money. Remember the, the, the people of Israel, they, they'd been enslaved for centuries in Egypt. God miraculously rescued them, uh, guided them through the, through the wilderness, protected them, provided for them. And at some point, long before they inhabited uh, the promised land, God warns them this way. Deuteronomy 8, 8, 17 to 18. Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. In other words, God's saying, warning, be very careful not to assume that owner's mindset. The this is mine mindset. Because, God says, it's all mine. It's all mine. Jesus had a conversation with this rich young ruler. The the guy came up to him one day and asked what he should do to inherit eternal life. So Jesus responded this way. It's found in Luke 18. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And the rich young ruler said to him, all these I have kept from my youth. So it's interesting. The the Ten Commandments are a summary of two things. Love God, love others. Notice that Jesus doesn't refer to the, the love God commandments. Just just the latter ones, the love others commandment. All these I have kept from my youth. Verse 22, 23, Jesus says, When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But the young guy When he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. And in one statement, Jesus reveals this young man's idols. He he loved money more than he loved God. He had a scarcity mindset, not an abundance mindset. He feared not having enough instead of fearing the one who made him. The point is, uh, behind the this is mine mindset is an idol we love and we sacrifice for and we serve like a God. 
We've put our trust in that idol. It, it, it comes in all different shapes and sizes. It could be status, comfort, security. It could be control. It could be coveting. Sin is like a, a spiritual cancer that we all, that all of us have. Since our first parents took something, um, took, a, took a bite out of the forbidden fruit, we all have wronged God in the way we, we have this this-is-mine mindset. So what's it going to take to live counter-cultural, generous lives? Well, the simple answer is, is this. Give up the owner's mindset. Give up the this-is-mine mindset. Paul, Paul includes this, this um, statement I'm going to read when, he, when he's trying to get the Corinthians to be more generous. He writes in 2 Corinthians 8, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. The gospel is, is that God saw us in our this is mine mindset and he sent a savior to do something about it. Jesus Christ. Jesus let go of all that was rightfully his and became poor. Can you imagine uh, th th this completely blows my mind to think about the God of the universe, the infinite God of the universe, becoming poor for me, for you. The, the God of the universe took on our humanity and became a man. Worked a construction job most of his life, became a, you know, an itinerant preacher to, sh to show and tell people about this, this gospel of the kingdom or the rule of God. And then he died a shameful death for us in our place. He was completely innocent. He was the son the father threw the party for. Why did he do it all? To make us spiritually rich. He was our substitute so we could have life. Jesus is risen from the dead and is reigning now and promises to restore all things to, their, to a life of abundance. In the meantime, this is, this is the track he's, he has us on. So no one's, no one's um, nailing it out of the park. So whatever idol you're serving underneath your, your money pales in comparison to Jesus. We're, we're making sacrifices on the altar of those idols. We're, we're living based on what we see, not on what we don't see. We're, we're putting our trust in those things rather than Jesus. And that's why we have this, this is my mindset. So what is it going to take for money, things, to be, to be 
integrated into a life under Jesus' rule? Answer is, we not only have to repent, but believe in the gospel. I don't mean give it some lip service. You know, I, I, I mean, you know, um, believe this gospel with more of your life, more of the time. Jesus is ruling and reigning. He's, he's forgiven you. He's adopted you into his family. He's taken up residence in you, in, in your innermost being. But until you believe that, until you've turned, you've, you've seen your greedy ways and turned and believed the gospel, this... Um, you know, working on spiritual growth, working on these spiritual disciplines, it, it's just tweaking something. No, 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 we, we needed a whole new renovation of the heart. We needed a new heart, and that's exactly what Jesus has given us. So when we believe that, the this is mine attitude becomes this is all yours. The the more you and I get that, the, the, the more we'll experience freedom from these, these idols that so easily lurk beneath the, the surface. The more we, we see our identity as, as the father's sons and daughters, the less our identity will be wrapped up in, in the things we once or tend to serve. Once... Um, We'll worry about, um, uh, our, our worry about money and, and having enough will be replaced with trusting God. So that's, that's the life-changing, history-altering news of the gospel, period. So we talked about um, uh, what, what, what's it going to take to live countercultural lives countercultural lives. <clears throat> the, the third question is this. What are some practical steps we could take now to be more generous? Okay? Okay. Four, three practices. Number one, track your spending. Track your spending for a month or two. Be as honest as you can be with it. Why do I spend or save money the way I do? Um, is, is there an idol that I'm secretly serving or sacrificing to? Whether it's comfort, control, um, status. So why do I spend the money or save the money the way I do? Is there an idol that I'm serving or sacrificing to? And ask God to help release you from that cycle. You can, uh, you can apply this to your, your time and talents as well. Um, Psalm 90 says, um, verse 12, these are the words of Moses and he prays, so teach us to, to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. What, what an outstanding invitation to invite God to number our days. It's, it's Moses' way of saying, God, apart from you, I'm apt to spend my money, my time, my abilities in 
all the wrong places. I'm, I'm apt to waste it. Give me a sense of my limits. So that's practice one. Track your spending for a month or two. Practice number two, practice prayerful budget planning. Prayerful budget planning. This is what it means to put God behind the wheel. Uh, It's a way of saying, this is all yours. This is not mine. James uh, 1, 5 famously says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and and it will be given to him. So, Ask for wisdom about building your budget or rebuilding it for the hundredth time. What are the essentials? What are the non-essentials? How much has he called you to give? Ask him for boldness to, to consider what has been in your mind the unthinkable. Maybe it involves downsizing in a way that makes your budget balance. What you're doing is, is you're considering him, the one who owns everything in every small detail. You remember, we're, we're just managers of all that he's entrusted to our care. We're not owners. So what is, it really, what is the reality that God is the owner of all have to do with X decision. Practice two, uh, three, sorry. Systematic sacrificial giving. By systematic, I mean it's, it's not random. It, it's, it's planned, it's budgeted. It, 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 you, you are already accounted for it. Um, it's not like, uh, hey, I feel like giving this, and mm, I, uh, I feel like um, things are tight, and, and I, I will only give this. No, it, it's planned. It's budgeted. By sacrificial, I mean you should feel it. It should hurt, at least at first, and it, it, at least until it becomes normal. Ephesians 4, uh, verse 28 says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Hear the purpose clause? We work for what purpose? So that we'll have something to share with others. You're an extremely generous church. That, that needs to be said. And that's not based on what simply comes in on a Sunday. You, you know, even over the, the past year and a half, you guys have been unbelievably uh, generous to particularly uh, you know, families among us and like out in the community who needed help, um, needed grocery cards, I mean, I was amazed at how, many, how, many, how much money came in for that purpose. You have the opportunity 
to, to be and do something very countercultural, very uh, uh, counter Dover, counter New Hampshire. Regular, systematic, sacrificial uh, giving, um, it, it does something else. It grows us. It grows us. We, we don't do it because God needs it. I don't know. Please. We do it because we need it. And so we pray, God, I'm giving back to you what you've simply entrusted to my care. And one of the reasons I'm doing this is to tell myself that every time. I, again, you, you can apply this generosity mindset to your time, your talent. It helps set goals. For this week, this month, this year, I'm, I'm going to bless my community this way. Maybe it's by coaching. Maybe it's by volunteering in your kid's classroom, something. Maybe it's by serving in, in a variety of ways in this church. If you don't have something in mind, um, come to House of Hope um, tomorrow. But um, these, these, are, these are ways it grows us. It really does. Fourth practice. Practice four. Continual thanksgiving. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In all circumstances, give thanks. Give thanks when the market's good. Give thanks when the market's tanked. In all circumstances, give thanks. Why? Because you know that your life's worth doesn't depend on your net worth. You know that your, your, your heavenly Father uh, supplies whatever you need. He's the provider. He's the ultimate breadwinner for you, for your family. He's the host. We're the guests. You know that every bit of unexpected news doesn't surprise him at all. We've said that repeatedly uh, over the past year. Huh. I'm so glad that COVID didn't surprise God one bit. He's sovereign. He has everything under control. And you know that th this, this is all his means it's not yours. It's not ours. He became poor for us, for our sake, that we might become spiritually rich. God's, God's shown how good he is. How do we know that? By sending his own son, ultimately, to become poor for us. So he, he's shown how worthy of our trust he is. And the only way we'll make progress from our arrested development is if we adopt the this is yours mindset. All, all this is why, why Christians should be the most generous, most lavish people on the planet. Let's pray.